So my dad has gotten into abbreviating his texts. <laughs> He's also gotten into putting ellipses. Ooh, and I el- love ellipses. And Okay, so what do ellipses mean to you in a text? It, it, um, to me, it means I'm still thinking it's a pause. That's for me. Okay. I use it a lot. Okay. Maybe too much. Like, so me, 48-year-old Nikki, I use it a lot. I think of it as as a, a pause in my conversation. I type something. I'm still thinking. I type something. Maybe I don't need to type it all. I don't know. My kid, who's a teenager, is like, why are you putting that? It's making it look like you don't know. Like, you're you're undecided with that comment. And I'm like, that is completely not what I mean. And he thinks that's a... But I think he's wrong. So. See, I've had the teens tell me that ellipses mean something is sarcastic. It means oh. that you're like, you're being tongue in cheek about something. I mean, sometimes it can be. So my, I don't, I don't feel like there's a one, I don't feel like that gets a one r- rule for what it means. Maybe not. I know that when my dad texts me with ellipses, I'm confused now. <laughs> I know that much. <laughs> I know I'm like, okay, I don't, I don't know where to go from here. That's fun. Yeah. Okay. Text from the parents fun. Cause my mom, I, I think I've shared with you before. <laughs> she, um, does not generate a text, but she can respond like a boss and she knows how to use emojis. Okay. Okay. She also knows how to, um, uh, there's a, a feature on the text where you can send with effect. Is I that, don't know if that's just the iPhone thing, but, um, and I don't even know if I know how to do it. I think you like slide up on the send mm-hmm. and then it has like f- four options, like burst or do something else. And she will do that. So <laughs> I'll send her something and she sends me something back and it's all, my whole screen's covered with flowers or hearts or there's fireworks. And I'm like, how does she even know how to do that? Like she can't even send the text from scratch, but she's that's pretty exciting. making my phone explode. Yeah. That's definitely an iPhone thing. Or if it's an Android thing, I don't know how to do it on my phone. So don't feel bad. Okay. Um, yeah. I, that's, it's that's always pretty, a new adventure. What is texting? Is there a with seniors? Is <laughs> <laughs> we could have a whole show on that. We should have a podcast called texting, texting with, Se- with that's seniors. Your, that's your podcast spinoff. <gasps> texting with seniors. Texting with seniors. I spent some time with some saints this morning Mm -hmm. and prepping for confirmation. So I feel like, um, a little bit like they're cheering for me. That's cool. Right now. Which, do you mind if I ask which saints? No, not at all. Um, St. John the Evangelist, the beloved, which, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, in addition to, um, doing small amounts of research on them, also looking for images and just all the images of him laying on Jesus's chest is Mm -hmm. just pretty cool. yeah. Yeah. Um, St. John the Baptist. Nice. Fun. Mm-hmm. Not fun, fun, but just like gnarly in a mm-hmm. different way. In a very different way, but cool, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I feel like um, our saints paint a beautiful, full picture mm-hmm. of the body of Christ, which is just awesome. Yeah, for Today's sure. a feast of St. Agnes, mm-hmm. martyred at 12, good yep. grief. Yeah. I just, I feel like a big weenie whenever I hear about a saint who died mm-hmm. at such a young age because of their 
intense faith mm-hmm. and, and dedication to God. Ooh, I feel yeah. like, gosh, girl, you got a lot of work to do. Yeah. But I think that's the point. Yeah. You know, like that's like, I don't, I don't know that like there can only be one St. Agnes, right? So it, it's not about like, does my life measure up to St. Agnes? Like, that's not the point. It's, it's when I measure myself, if that's the right phrase, when mm-hmm. I, when I look at my life from Jesus's perspective, yeah. uh, am I really trying to be like Jesus? Right. Because that's, okay. that's what St. Agnes is, was, that's why she's a saint because she yeah. was really good at being like Jesus. She's really good mm. at, at doing what Jesus would do and thinking the way that Jesus would think in her own unique way. I mean, she was, okay. she was not Jesus, right. Yeah. Like, and, and, um, but she was really good at sort of looking at his life and saying, I'm going to live like that. And I'm going to live like mm. that, um, out of my own creation and my own beauty and my own perfection that God gives me. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to be, you know, caring and mm-hmm. loving and, and strong in the way, you know, like Jesus, right? Like yeah. I'm going to have my own attributes, but I'm going to, I'm going to execute those in my life the way that Jesus would. I just feel would. like, you know, like so many of the saints, you read their stories and it's like, um, it seems like the highlights that we hear mm-hmm. sound like a perpetual Lent. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like I need coffee. I need food. I need, I need what I need. And I, sure. and, and I don't always put Jesus in that top. I, oh man. Do you Am ever, I going to say that? Like I don't put Jesus above coffee. That's not true, but I just love so many earthly things so much that I'm feeling like, mm. I'm doomed. I, I guarantee you, um, there were times in Jesus's life when he woke up in the morning and he got like a particular food for breakfast or he, he, you know, I don't know. He had like particular rituals that were, were just his in the human experience mm-hmm. that were not, um, were not necessarily religious, but were these moments of real appreciation for, for God, appreciation Mm -hmm. for God in his creation. Right. And even in Jesus, in his divinity, like he he knows all of creation, knows it inside and out. Everything was created through him, but in his humanity, he could still look around and go, man, this is a really good cup of coffee. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like this is, this is a really good, um, this is a really awesome sunset to watch. This is a, Hmm. you know, like, and then also there were times when Jesus like did not get a good night's sleep. And do you think he was grumpy? Yeah. I mean, mm. or, or he, he, there, there were times when we can see, um, I think it's maybe, I think it's maybe father James Martin, uh, in, yeah. Cause it's in his book. Um, Jesus, a, I'm, I'm going to look it up. It's like, look it up. I think it's, um, that's why you got the computer, a, a journey maybe. But That's he, a good title. He goes, he goes to the Holy Land, um, and uh, Jesus, a pilgrimage. A was pilgrimage. Close. He goes to the Holy Land. It's about him and a friend of his going to the Holy Land and going to all these holy sites. And he kind of talks about these holy sites uh, in chronological order from Jesus' mm. life. And he talks about how Jesus, you know, would have had to to learn. He would have had to, to look at, you know, like crowds of people weren't following him around his whole life. He His humanity would have had to... I've gotten used to that in those three mm. years, right? Like there would have been a learning curve. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I think some of these experiences that we have, we think, am I choosing between coffee and Jesus? Am I choosing between being grumpy 
and Jesus. Maybe sometimes, yeah. but I don't think we necessarily have to all the time. Maybe I'm not being honest enough with you. I, I really love coffee. <laughs> like, I don't know, like, you know, when people, like if we do the whole, what are you giving up for Lent? Like, um, oh, I don't want to be shallow and say I'm going to give up like chocolate or coffee or anything. The truth of the matter is, is that I would, I don't know what my survival rate would look like without coffee. I understand. I am not joking. I understand. That's, that's And that is my family. I mean, you know, everybody's got to make sacrifices, Nick. Just kidding. Okay. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, I totally, I, I totally get that. I totally get that. I don't, I don't know what my, and it's not even really like a vice. Like I, I really, I mean, I'm right there with you with coffee. I really love Diet Coke. I think it's wonderful. Wow. I know that it's not good for me. I, I, you know, I know that I shouldn't drink it all the time. Right. Yeah. But you know, I mean, it's so tasty. Yeah. Such is life. You know, I mean, it's just, yeah, this part of being human, you know, true story. I don't know if any of this is going to be in the podcast. That's fine. I do know, um, that we should start podcasting soon. Podcasting. Hey, never mind. You said something in the prayer that, that was definitely, oh, it was, you said something that reminded me of a Sean Mendes song. <laughs> I can't wait. You said something like, blah, 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 if I can't have you. I don't know all the words, but the ones that you said <laughs> reminded me of a Sean Mendes song. I don't remember what I said. If I can't have you. Do you know that song? Maybe. Are you writing him off because he's young? No. Not okay, at all. good. No, no, because I just read an article about him and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm very impressed. Mm-hmm. He's a hard worker. Talented. Yeah. Why are we talking about this? I'm I don't sorry. know. I don't know, but it's great. It's great. Is it everything is. I don't want to pretend like I know the words. Everything is nothing. If I, hmm, if I can't have you, something like that. I don't know. You said something in reference to that. You were not talking about Sean Mendes. I know that. Are you or sure? Who are you? <laughs> uh, interesting. Maybe. Mm. No, I wasn't. Um, we should podcast now. Let's podcast. Are you ready? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Nikki. I'm ready. Okay. Hello, James. How's it going? It's going pretty well. It's going pretty well. Um, we are both uh, in kind of a weird mood today. I feel like... We're caffeinated. We're caffeinated. Maybe overly so. Um, I think my my heart is like okay enough. Like seriously, your heart's enough, and my ears are a little tingly. <laughs> ears are a little tingly. We had a little um, we had a little snafu? technical issue, technical snafu um, earlier, and we got some weird like feedbacky sound in the uh, headphones. And um, I don't know. I've played played in bands a lot, and it didn't really phase me, which is weird. Um, but it, it phased and, and kind of makes me n- nervous for like sixty year old James, like whether yeah. or not he's going to be able to hear anything. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Um, see, now we got to start the podcast. Early. <laughs> no, I put that Why? Because I hit something. Huh? Why we have to start it over? No, because we made fun of old people. Oh shoot! Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I made fun of old people too. That's okay. This is all hilarious, and I'm tempted to keep it in. Oh my gosh. Uh, It's going to happen. Okay. Anyway, we had this technical issue, and um, Nikki is a little bit... 
gun shy. Gun shy now about um, just wearing the headphones in general. <laughs> I think I'm a little um, nervous, but it, it it shouldn't happen again. It was and it was totally my fault. I'm sorry. I it's feel okay. bad. It's okay. It's okay. Um, I don't know what to do with the headphoney things and all the stuff. So yeah, it's yeah. all good. Okay. Well. Um, okay. Here good. we are. Here we are. Um, so. We have been, uh, I don't want to say struggling, but we've been, uh, I think, separately kind of um, going about our lives over the last week. And we had a really cool experience on Saturday um, where we got to um, to work together to present uh, to a retreat. Uh, the uh, Tech of Central Texas hosted a day retreat out at Eagles Wings Retreat Center in Burnett, which is a really cool place. If you've never been there, Super you should cool. go. You should yeah. really go check it out, especially if you're in the Diocese of Austin. Right now, during um, kind of these strange COVID times, they do have, they're opening their doors uh, to like families or to individuals that want to kind of retreat out in the wilderness on their own. Mm. Um, there's a fantastic spiritual director out there. His name's Father Elmer Holtman. He is, uh, he's a retired priest, but he, he works more than any retired person. He I really does. He's constantly doing things and he's amazing. Yeah, um, I, if I you, love him. If you get a chance to, to, um, uh, to go to mass with him or even just to go, to go talk and hang out. And then they have like a, they have a wonderful staff out there at Eagles mm-hmm. Wings. We're making a big Eagles Wings plug because it yeah. was really fun. It was, it was beautiful. It and was. just like the outdoor, mm-hmm. the ability to hike and have that be a spiritual experience as well. It was really cool. It was one of my favorite parts. It was, it was really cool. And, um, but that kind of got me thinking, uh, and I think, you know, from what we've talked about, maybe got you thinking a little bit too of, um, our, our talk was on the, the, the prodigal son and, and the parable of the prodigal son and how we're, um, we're all prodigal. We're all, we can find ourselves in that story in really all three of the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think especially in one of the two sons, like b- both sons are actually prodigal. If you right. kind of take a step back and look at it, um, they've, they've kind of turned their back on or, or turned away from this relationship with their father. Right. And, um, it's very representative of, um, our relationship with God and how we, you know, even if things feel like they're going right, a lot of the times our, our hearts really aren't, aren't where they should be. Right. Right. And God is always kind of calling us back to mm. this place of harmony with yeah. him and, and, and home with him. Um, we got to talk about that. I got to thinking about how, um, and then also listening cause I'm just a little bit vain and I listen to our podcast. <laughs> um, also kind of listening back, uh, to our last couple of episodes, um, and I, and I wonder if we're not uh, having, um, I, I, I wonder for those ragamuffins out there, if we can have a little bit of a more um, vulnerable conversation, mm. right? And a conversation that maybe speaks to, um, speaks to kind of where they might be uh, and speaks to their um issues because they're all of our issues, right? Yeah. Because when you're saying they, they it's including us in, in that whole absolutely. And conversation. I, and, and that's the point yeah. is that sometimes I think we come across and anyone in any kind of mystery com- comes across as like, we have it all figured out. Right. And the reality is we um, don't, we don't. And, <laughs> and that's kind of what generates the stuff that we talk about is that we sit here and think about it so much. Um, and we don't really we don't always have, you know, the right answer right away. And it takes, um, and sometimes we don't ever get the right answer. Like sometimes we're stuck at, man, this particular thing that I'm asking these questions about or that I'm really kind of suffering through, that's my cross to bear. I got to wait 
up tomorrow again and bear that bear it again bear it all over again right Mm -hmm. um and so how can we kind of uh one um share a little bit more go a little bit deeper uh in our own sort of faith journey our own faith life um to to let folks know that we're all in the same boat and then two um how can we have a little bit more of a, a realistic conversation? I mean, if we're talking mm-hmm. about hope, like we talked about last week and we're, we were pretty, um, I think, I, I think our conversation was pretty down to earth, right. But there's always the potential out there that, you know, someone is, is hearing all that and then they just go, okay, but like, but how do I have hope when this is the situation, when this is the situation mm-hmm. or, or, or like, what is the first step that I take to kind of get there? Mm. Um, I know for me, there have been a lot of times in my life where my next step feels like the most daunting thing um, yeah, that I've big. ever that I've ever had to go through, right? And so I, I have a tendency to to put up a wall, to you know, I, I want to hold all of my my friends, my family, anyone that cares about me. I want to keep everybody at arm's length. I want to tell everybody that everything is is fine, and I want to kind of retreat into this this idea that if I just kind of stop where I am, then mm. I'll be fine. Right. And, and, that, pause, huh? and I can kind of, I can kind of, you know, um, if you look at the, um, at the creation story, right. I can kind of hide in the garden mm. in that way. Right. I'm, I'm here. You I'm in the garden. Things are not perfect anymore, but I'm going to kind of close my eyes to that. And if I can't see that, or if I don't acknowledge it, then it's not mm-hmm. really there. Right. Then that pain really isn't there or that struggle really isn't there. That is absolutely not reality. No, that's actually harmful. It's extremely harmful. Mm-hmm. It's extremely harmful. Um, so, um, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of willing uh, to, to just kind of lay it out there with Spill a little bit tea. of a, of a testimony <laughs> about myself. Um, you know, I, I don't know if. Uh, well, we'll see. We'll see how this goes. Oh Does gosh, that sound good? I'm feeling nervous Does that with sound that. Good? Um, Let's just see how this goes. So, um, I have. Um, I, I, I want all of our listeners to know. We also um, just looked at our numbers, right? So we've been doing this for 15 episodes now. We just looked at our numbers. Um, we want them to be a lot higher. We want more people to be tuning in and that kind of thing. Um, but we're so grateful for those of you that are listening and that continue to um, invite us into your into your day, into your week, uh, and to share that with us. We we feel like um, it's just, it's just such a humbling thing to think that we we have this voice and that maybe this voice, like you know, God is taking this voice and amplifying it, um, taking His own message and amplifying it through us and and bringing it to you. It feels so incredible to be a part of that and exciting to be a part of that. And we want to, um, to just say thank you before we, before I get all mushy at least. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely grateful and humbled. And whenever people, um, it's a little surreal, you know, when people say, Oh, well on the retreat, somebody actually came up to me who I didn't know. And said, I feel like I know you from the podcast. And I was like, Oh gosh, wow. What is that's super cool. This must be what the celebrities feel like. No, I'm just kidding. But it was a little um, humbling. Yeah. 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 It's really neat. It's really cool. Um, because who am I? Really? Mm-hmm. Lowly servant of God. I mean, that title's pretty amazing. Servant I do God. want to be servant of God. Yes, 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 yeah. yes. Yeah. Goals. Goals. That's right. Absolutely. 
goals. Yeah. Servant of God. Nikki Mankata. Has a nice Ooh, ring I to hope it. That, yeah. Yeah. I should write that out. You should. So that it That's feels what you should like get tattooed idiot. on you. Oh. Yeah. Mm. That'd be cool. Permanent. Permanent. Ink to show what my goals are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like everything I every every action, every breath I take would be judged at that point. By who? Oh, you know my kids. I'm already telling you. Yeah. The but, one. But, mm. Oh, I thought you were served to God. Why are you doing that? I can tell you. You'd be like, I need this grace to put up with you. Okay. That's exactly right. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I'm on the parenting struggle bus. That's okay. It's, there's lots. I mean, I think every parent is on that bus all the time. I don't think it's ever not a struggle. I, it might I, just be I like. I think that's the definition of vocation. Hmm. It's like a streetcar. It's just on the tracks. It just never gets off. It's mm-hmm. just there all the time. Running, mm-hmm. running, running. Yep. Yep. It just goes. And that's kind of cool. That's kind of beautiful, actually, that that God believes in humanity so much that he just allows it to go. And he, and okay. he, and he knows, yeah. like, Nikki is, is not going to make all the right decisions. And she's not going hmm. to do everything. She's not going to get everything right on the first try. But she's going to be an awesome mom. And she's going to lead her kids uh, as best she can to a relationship with God the Father. I'm trying so hard. Uh, That's all we can do. That is literally all we can do. That's all we can do. Difference between Peter and Judas Mm. is that Judas quit trying. Ooh, that's hard. Mm -hmm. Like literally, they did the same thing. I mean, they both sold out Jesus. They both sold out the Son of God. And Peter kept trying. He kept, he like, he, he recognized it That's and he such realized a valuable message. he had to get back to this life with God, mm. this life with Jesus. And so he, he didn't give up. I'm definitely going to use that one in the yeah. future. That needs to be in my toolbox. Mm-hmm. The good toolbox, the, the good one that's toolbox. used often. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, okay. So tell us what's happening. Um, so I want to, I want to kind of talk about, um, Myself, not kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, James used a voice. I know that's I used a voice. Oh my gosh, that was fun. Um, <laughs> it was first time for everything. No, that's not true. I've used voices before. Yeah, but not bit. that voice. Not that voice. That was a different. Not one. that voice. I think I've been hanging around with my friend Nikki too much. Um, that was a Nikki voice. Um, I do. I do want to talk about myself in the sense that uh, I think that when we um, when we share with one another and when we're open uh, and vulnerable with one another. Um, we give, uh, one, we give up others, the opportunity to, to empathize and to kind of see, um, to empathize and sympathize, to kind of see their own story in your story and to see their struggle in your struggle. And that's a a very powerful thing. That's something that I think is, is very, that's like a good, um, that's like a good sort of vitamin for, Mm. uh, the, the kind of the, the, the human bond, right? The growth and, of a relationship. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's something that can happen, um, you know, from someone far away, if you're just listening to them or from someone that you're like in a personal relationship with, um, the, those, those bonds can, can travel over great, great distances and, and really can be fortified. Like I can, I can see, um, maybe the story of, uh, let's see, trying to think, um, like the story of our friend Henry Nowen, right. Mm, and, mm-hmm. and I can see some of the struggles that he went through and some of the different things that occurred in his life. And I can find those things and kind of relate and say like, 
wow, I, I get that. I've been in that place before and I've, and I've, um, I've maybe struggled in those same ways and maybe even, even, um, you know, taken the same wrong turns that that person has taken or, or taken similar wrong turns. And because that person is so open about them, uh, about their struggle, it, it, it kind of sheds some light on the path kind of mm-hmm. shed some light on, on how do we get back to a relationship with God? Um, it certainly knocks down the shame, right? Yeah. The shame component. And that's shame has been a big thing in my life that I've had to, um, to work on at different times. Um, but, uh, you know, the, honestly, what I, you know, the, the, the bigger reason that I'd like to share is just to let you know that there is a, um, there's a very practical and purposeful and meaningful, um, reason why we're having the conversations that we are. Mm -hmm. And there's also very practical and purposeful and meaningful reasons why God wants to have the conversations he wants to have with you in your life. Mm -hmm. And those, um, those reasons are, are, are deep. And sometimes, uh, the, the effect of kind of, of kind of go in those directions is, is, can be really painful. It can be really tough. Um, but, in my life, I'm better for it. Mm-hmm. And in my life, I, I don't know, um, that without, uh, kind of, kind of sharing my story and having other people share their stories with me without that, I don't know that I would be here. Yeah. I don't know that I would be, and, and I don't just mean here, like in a position in ministry or a position of talking about my faith. I mean like alive, like, mm-hmm. I don't know that mm-hmm. I would be here. Um, when I was, uh, when I was 17 years old, um, my, my parents divorced and it's something that happens to a lot of people in mm-hmm. the world. Um, and I, um, I, I, I retreated into this behavior that I was already very familiar with. Uh, and that was to, to kind of, um, to keep up a, a facade, so to speak, mm. to not let anybody know that anything was wrong. Yeah. Um, my parents both, my parents are really just amazing, loving, wonderful people. Um, growing up, I was an only child and growing up, uh, a lot of my parents kind of internal struggles were things that they, they not only hid from each other, um, but they hid from family and they hid kind of from the rest of the world. And maybe Mm. even were trying to like hide things from themselves, like like kind of knowing like, Hey, there's a problem here. Right. So there wasn't, um, at least from my perspective and my recollection, there wasn't like a ton of, of communication. There Mm -hmm. wasn't a ton of, you know, my parents didn't feel like they could really, um, be each other's best friend or have each other's back. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so we went through a lot of ups and downs. My childhood was great. I had a lot of fun with my family and I don't want to make it sound like it was horrible. It it, It it wasn't, it wasn't, I was great. Um, but when my parents divorced, I felt this need to start, um, really, really, really limiting, uh, what I was willing to talk about and what I was willing to let people see and what I was willing to kind of, um, even admit to, to myself, right. About, um, things like my mental health, my physical health, my, my, just, just the feelings that I had, um, just the, just the way that I wanted to, um, you know, the way that I wanted to conduct my life was, was in secret. Like I wanted to be kind of, I, I, I really, really wanted to control the narrative. Right. Mm. And so, um, 
I started doing that. And, and really, uh, from that kind of that first semester of my, um, my senior year, uh, when my, when my parents left to like all the way through until I was about probably about 20 or 21, everything was fine. And everything was like, that was my mantra. Everything's fine. And that's what you told yourself. That's that's what I told myself. Everything's fine. And I found myself kind of, um, you know, I'm an only child. My parents were divorcing. The divorce was pretty messy, um, and, and pretty bitter. And so everybody was telling me you're not in the middle. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but I was the only one in the middle, like, like no one else, no one else could really say that. Like there wasn't really anywhere else for me to be. And so, so the message that I got was, um, I'm not being affected. Like, like that was the, that was the message that I got from everyone was I'm, I'm, I'm not, because I'm not in the middle. I must not be in the middle. So I must be fine, you know? And, and really, uh, not only am I, I, was I in the middle, but I, I wasn't fine. And I, and, and And I wasn't admitting it's not being addressed either. Exactly. Exactly. And so there was no processing at all. Right. Um, so I, I, I graduate, I'm kind of in this, I graduate high school. I'm kind of in this lost place of, um, what I wanted to do and, and, and even maybe lost in the sense of, I didn't really understand that it was up to me, like, Mm -hmm. like what I wanted to do next. I, I really thought that I had, um, I was kind of waiting for someone else to come along and like, give me, direct a, you give me a plan, right? okay. direct me. Um, and that, you know, I, I, looking back now, I saw a lot of my friends leaving for college and doing all these different things. And it just never dawned on me that I should, that I should step out of the boat. Mm. Right. It, it never really did because the boat felt comfortable and felt safe. And it felt like that's where everyone kind of expects me to be. Right. Mm. Um, so that's where I have to be. So, um, basically I started, I started lying. I started telling people, um, that I was in college. I started telling people and, I, and, and I would, I would be in school for a semester and then leave school and be in school for a semester mm. and leave school and not really putting any effort into school. Not really, um, uh, not really putting my whole heart into it it's at all. Emotions, huh? And, and, um, I, I lived this lie of, of, I guess, higher education, um, for a long time, even into my time as a youth minister. Okay. So I, I kind of lived with this and put it in my back pocket. Um, certainly long enough to, to kind of get out of the house. And, and I didn't leave home until I was about 24. Um, I, I left kind of telling everyone in my family, uh, including my mom and dad that, um, I was, uh, that I was done with college and that I was actually moving on to like, like grad school. Right. And, and that I was, um, going to be, um, doing certain things and pursuing certain things. And, and, and I got out of the house and I looked around and I had nothing. Right. And, um, I felt like the only way that I could make friends, the only way that I could, um, get a job, have a girlfriend, anything was to continue to live this lie. And so, uh, I did, I, I lived this life for a long time, um, until, uh, I was in my early thirties and what I know now, mm-hmm. uh, is that my parents knew, mm. I know that my friends knew, I know that, um, people that were close to me knew, uh, people that, that loved me knew, uh, and they didn't care beyond what it was doing to me. They, they, yeah. they really didn't, yeah. but I felt completely trapped by, um, this, this mess that I had made Mm -hmm. for myself and, and, and even more trapped by the idea, um, 
that I wasn't worth getting out of the mess. You thought that about yourself? I, I, I felt that way about myself. Mm. And I had this, um, this incredible, you know, that, that shame was so big and so prominent in my life um, that I couldn't really process any other emotions. And, I, and I've learned that in therapy mm. since then. If, if I was, um, I, I remember feeling ashamed of my birthday. Why? Because it was a happy occasion and I didn't oh. really deserve to be happy. I remember feeling, um, you know, I, I would, would be playing music in bands or something and someone would come up and say, Hey man, that was a really, that was a really great show or that was a cool guitar solo or whatever. And I remember feeling, I mean, instantaneously this sense of shame would set in and it was like, like the, the self conversation was like, you're, you're a liar you don't deserve this. Like you, you're, you know, you're so bad. You were only right? seeing the one part of Exa- you. Exactly. And that, and, and to be fair, to be honest, that one part of me, one was my choice mm-hmm. and two was awful. Mm-hmm. It was, it was some self-inflicted stuff that was really, really, um, gross and, and, and terrible. And it was, it was a series of just, one terrible decision kind mm-hmm. of spiraling into another terrible decision. And I, I'm not making any excuses. I did not want to pull myself out. Mm-hmm. I thought that I could control it all. I thought that I could kind of ride this wave of this, of controlling this narrative to, to the grave if I had to. Sure. Um, so I was, um, I was about, I, like I said, I was in my early thirties, uh, when I got caught in this lie by someone who was willing to, be very confrontational about it. Um, it was a person that I was dating and, uh, we, we, we got into a fight and she kind of had her suspicions uh, about this whole thing. And she just said, James, like, this is what's going on with you. And I immediately, um, well, I immediately thought that my life was over. I immediately thought there is no way, you know, you that, can rebound that I that. can rebound from this, that I can, that I can, um, you know, that I can talk to my parents, that I can do these things. Um, so I went into my room, I went to, um, a nightstand where there was a gun and I attempted to commit suicide with a gun. Um, this person that I was dating, uh, knew that the the gun wasn't loaded, um, and kind of wrestled it away from me and then basically locked me in my room and called my dad and, uh, told my dad everything that had happened, told him her suspicions and that kind of thing. And, um, my dad got on the phone and he told me that he loved me. That was the first thing. And then the, the next thing that happened was I, I told him basically the story that I'm telling you now, like a very shortened mm-hmm. version, as you can imagine. And my dad just said, I know, mm. I know, and I love you. And I know. And it my dad, it didn't matter to him. It didn't matter in the slightest. Um, what I know now that I didn't know then was that right after that phone call, my dad like fell to his knees and cried and was just so like heartbroken by that conversation and, um, a couple of, a couple of days went by and I had an intervention 
uh, with my then girlfriend's parents, um, and, uh, my, my, my dad and his wife and my mom on the phone. And, um, everybody said, look, man, there's, there's so much good about you, but this, this thing, this, this one thing that you're carrying around is killing you. Mm. Like it is literally, it's destroying who you are. And so from then on, uh, from that point on, that was in like, like August of that year. Um, from that point on, it was in August of 2014. Yeah. Yeah. July or August of 2014. Um, from that point on until the end of November of that same year, um, it was my job to get my mind healthy, um, Mm -hmm. to, to change my attitude about myself and to put more of an investment in relationships and investment in especially my relationship with God in a way that I had never, that I'd never done before. And I had to, had to go to really serious therapy to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, I can remember, um, I, I went to a place called Lone Star Behavioral Health, which is in Tomball, Texas. And it's a, it's a really amazing place. I didn't think it was very amazing. When I first got there, there was a lot of, um, in my mind, there was just a lot of like pushback and it was all kind of coming from that, from that shame, Mm -hmm. right? The shame of, of, um, really this shame that had clouded my entire life. I, I couldn't, there were, I, I had no other emotions really. I saw mm-hmm. everything through, through the lens of shame. I didn't know that until I really got into therapy, but that's what was going on. And, um, I can remember, uh, the first day kind of going by and I was in, I was put in this small group with other people that were kind of working on their stuff. And, um, you know, I, I was kind of my, my facade self. Um, and I got, back in the car to come home. It was the thing where I drove there and spent about nine hours there. And then I came back and, and I was got back in the car to, to come home. And I called my dad and I said, dad, I, I, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I said, I am the, I am the, um, sanest person in the nut house, mm-hmm. right? I'm the yeah. sanest person in the crazy house. And my dad said, James, it's, it's where you are. Mm. And, and it's, it's where my, my dad, you know, that I'm aware of, hasn't never been like a real like retreat guy. Like he goes to church and that kind of thing. Um, but he said, and it's, and it's where, it's where God is, is going to meet you. Mm. Like it's where God is going to work on you. Um, and you have to give him some time to, to do that. And, um, I remember being pissed off because I thought my dad is using like my shtick on me and that's not cool. (laughs) But I also remember thinking like, he's right. And, and my mom and dad through that whole thing, um, my, my treatment and recovery and, and my, um, sort of recognition of my stuff, uh, really helped my mom get to a place where she could recognize her own stuff because we had to actually take, um, from about really October of that year until like January, February of the following year, my mom and I didn't speak because there was so much about our relationship that was, was broken, just stuff that, that we needed to work on in ourselves and, Mm -hmm. and ways in which we, we needed to, um, we, we needed to let the other, we each needed to let the other have some space. Mm -hmm. And, um, my mom, I think at first that was very hard for her. Uh, and then I think, um, she realized, um, that I wasn't in a place where, 
I could, um, help her figure things out. Mm-hmm. Um, and she wasn't in a place where she could help me figure things out. And so we each had to find people in our lives, um, you know, apart from one another that could help us do that so that when we did reconnect, we could have a better relationship. My mom and I have not really, other than like, like, you know, I don't know, like, like silly things that people argue about. Like my mom and I have not gotten in an argument since 2015. And it's literally because we, we, we both spent the time and it, it wasn't like, Hey mom, you go do this and I'll go do that. Like it, it was, mm-hmm. wasn't that it was like, mom, I, I, I can't talk to you anymore. And then I hung up the phone. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And my mom, it took her a few weeks, but she kind of realized she, she had to, to talk to someone. Mm-hmm. And I realized I've got a lot of stuff to talk about, um, about my mom. And I had to really dig <laughs> yeah. into that relationship. Mm-hmm. I, I had, I'd kind of figured that out with my dad as well. Um, and it was hard to talk to my dad in that time. It was hard to, it was hard to hear him say, you know, James, you have to do this or it was, those things were tough. Um, but what was the most difficult about that time was looking around and realizing that even though I had been a youth minister for a while and I'd been talking about this relationship with God and I'd been saying these things that I, that I, in my head, I, I believed. Mm-hmm. Okay. I had not really, um, taken the time to allow God to write those things on my heart. Mm. I, I, I hadn't let God really like soak in. Mm-hmm. Right. And I hadn't given him the time and the opportunity to just, um, to just take care of me. Yeah. And, um, Oh, I'll, I'll share a little story kind of, kind of when, um, a, a couple of little stories kind of when I realized that, um, that, that I had this opportunity, mm-hmm. right. And that God was calling me to, to, to get out of the boat, right. Our very first episode, we talked about getting out Step of the boat. Out. Um, I, I didn't have a whole lot of hope. I didn't have mm-hmm. any kind of balance in my life. I didn't have any places in my life that felt still. I didn't, there's all those things that we've talked about. My encounters with God even were very much, uh, you know, God wanted to go very deep and God was calling me very deep. And I would say, I'm, I'm good in the kiddie pool. I'm, yeah. I'm good right here. Right. And like my feet are wet. That's fine. Um, about maybe three or four weeks, um, after I'd gotten there, there was a, uh, an, an, I say older gentleman. He was in his, I guess probably his early fifties, late forties, early fifties. Um, his name was, was Carlton. Um, and if you can, uh, let's just say uh, like Morgan Freeman would play, play him in the movie mm-hmm. version. Okay. Like a 50 mm-hmm. ish Morgan Freeman would play, play him in the, in the movie version. Everything Carlton ever said was wise. Just wise. I mean, yeah, everything yeah. he said was wise. He had had a stroke. Um, he'd had some issues with his, his family. And so, um, he was there as part of his, his rehab from the stroke and, and to just kind of get his mind right and, and hopefully kind of get reconnected with his family, reunited with his family. And, but we were in this group together that kind of shared everything and, and supported one another. And, and, um, I remember one day, so the, the way this would work is you come in, I would come in in the morning. Um, and I'd sit for about, probably about 20 minutes in this little cafeteria area waiting for, um, our classes to start our, mm-hmm. our therapy sessions to start. And it was time to like, like I could read a book or I could, you know, 
they had like coffee and orange juice and that kind of thing. You just kind of hung out. And so, um, I'm sitting there at a table and it's, uh, it's still pretty early in this process. I still really don't want to be there. And Carlton comes up to me and he says, Mr. James, Mr. James. Right. And I was like, <laughs> okay, like it's too oh, early for this. I just, peppy guy. <laughs> I just don't, I don't, I don't have all this energy. Right. And he's like, he's like, Mr. James, Mr. James. And, um, uh, you know, I'm like, Hey Carlton, what's going on? And, you know, I'm kind of waiting on this to be over with. Right. And I'm just kind of like, Oh God. Okay. Well, you know, what does this guy want? And, uh, he looks at me and he has this little book in his hand and it's, it says, um, it says, uh, Bible knowledge for you. That's the name of this book. And it's just kind of a randomized assortment of scripture verses, like powerful scripture verses for mm-hmm. different, you know, occasions different occasions. Stuff, right. Yeah. And he's holding it up and he kind of, he gives it to me. I still have it. It's at my house. He, he gives me this copy of it. And he says, you know, um, your issues with your mom are, are not going to be better until she realizes that she has to be humbled before God. And immediately I'm like, dude, I do not want to talk mm, to you about this. Yeah. I just <laughs> do not want to talk to you about this. We had talked in group about kind of our issues and my mom had come up obviously. So he knew, right? Yeah. And then he said something that, um, at the time, uh, even at the time I can remember thinking you're going to be grateful for this eventually. But in the moment, in the moment, it was really tough. Mm. He said, what you don't realize is you're going to have to be humbled before God too. And in that moment, something clicked in my head that, you know, exactly like my dad had said, yes, like God was going to meet me here. Mm -hmm. And in fact, God was here and he was even here in, in the form of this person who was like a prophet. Like this person is, is essentially, you know, a prophet in my midst. Um, but I wasn't willing to look around and see the grace. I wasn't willing to look around and see God not only in my friend Carlton, but mm-hmm. just in, in the experience, like moving in the experience in my life and God wanting to, to heal me from this situation, from this great wound, whether I caused that wound myself or not. Like he, like I wasn't allowing God into my life in that moment. Some of our, our, um, you know, people talk about kind of being born again. They talk about this, mm-hmm this, you know, this great moment for some people, it's their, maybe it's their baptism. Um, those kind of things, these great moments that they have where they feel like they've been kind of made new, a big right? transformation, this huh? big transformation. I can remember being transformed and then feeling ashamed that I needed to be transformed. Oh, you can, and, you can shake and, it and asking God in that moment, like, like, what the hell do you want from me? Like what, what, why does, why does my brain not work? Mm-hmm. Why does my heart not work? Like, like what is wrong with me that, that this is how I am? This mm-hmm. is, you know, and it took a, it took a long time of, um, it, it took a lot of different instances of asking those questions in, in, in different forms, uh, to kind of realize that, you know, that was a conversation God wanted to have with me. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just about, Hey James, I love you and you're great. It was yeah. also like, I'm going to go to this spot. It's really painful and this. really tough. And, yeah. and we got to deal with that. Right. Um, and several weeks later, um, maybe even months later, I can remember, 
um, being in our group and, and we, we were doing this thing all week. We kind of built up to it. We we're doing this thing all week with this one particular counselor where each day, um, someone different in our group got to stand up and tell their entire story, everything about mm. why, why they were here. Um, and they, they kind of picked me to go last or, or kind of near the, the end. And so I just had to sit there and listen, uh, and, and be empathetic and be, you know, um, a part of this kind of positive like mm-hmm. space. Right. And I realized, um, first of all, there's a lot of people in the world that are much happier than me or at the time were much happier than me that had, um, much worse, much more tragic stories mm-hmm. than I had. They, they had, they, they'd, they'd made mistakes in their lives or they'd had things done to them in their lives that were, you know, not to, not to compare, but, but listening to them, like I was shocked. I was shocked yeah. at some of the things that people had been through and some of the, the things that people had done in their lives that, that and kind of, that kind of got it. them there mm-hmm. and they lived through it. And not only did they live through it, they were willing to talk about it. And mm. a lot of them were even willing to talk about it and not be ashamed of it. Mm. They were willing to talk about it and yeah. be like, you know, uh, but I'm here and I'm working on myself and, and that gives me hope, right? They were willing wow. to have hope or to have, you know, some, some, um, sort of positive resolve in their heart that, mm-hmm. that, thing, that things were going to be better and that things were already getting better. And I remember kind of sitting in there and, and when it came my turn, like I kind of unloaded, uh, a lot of this stuff. And I remember there was another, um, there was another gentleman in the class named James and he kind of looked at me like, is that it? Like, and his story was, was crazy. I mean, like, I'm not going to tell his story because it's mm-hmm. his, but his story was, um, there was, just, there was abuse and there was all kinds of crazy stuff. And he, and I remember he, um, he looked at me and he started, he's part of that exercise was people were going to kind of empathize and repeat your story back to you and, and tell you kind of what they felt. And, and he just, he kept saying like, it just, it just sounds like you have a family who loves you. Oh. And it sounds like you have friends who love you. And it sounds like you have this relationship with God that's really important to you. And he, he was, he was like kind of dumbfounded, but he was naming all yeah. of my blessings, like just putting all of my blessings right out there. And I realized in that moment, like the, 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 the shame was gone. Mm-hmm. Like, like, and it, and it, I mean, it creeps back in, like, of, of course it does. Mm-hmm. Right. But, but in that moment, the shame was so, um, it, it, it really just, it really was just not there. It wasn't even a whisper mm-hmm. of, of what it was before. And it's because I had, I had found, um, this conversation with God in this, in this kind of community of people, right. In this mm-hmm. group of other people. Um, but I'd also found this opportunity to, to say, God, I am worth this conversation. I am, I am worth this conversation. Uh, with you, with myself, mm-hmm. uh, I'm worth a conversation with my mom, right? I'm worth yeah. a conversation with my dad. I'm, I'm worth like working on in this really positive way. Guys, my life uh, after that was not completely hunky dory. It's, it's. I mean, it, nobody's life is ever perfect, and and there are still big time consequences and repercussions of um, having lived that life for so long and repercussions of having, um, kind of put myself in that position of, of not, um, of not just being transparent with God. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and so, and and a lot of that is just like, like my habits and my, 
uh, the, the way I feel about myself. Like I have to work on that every day. I have to focus on that every day. Um, but I can say that since then, mm-hmm. since that experience, the last you know six years of my life, um, I understand for the first time what it means to really trust. I understand what it means to um, to 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 choose joy, to choose happiness, to choose to, uh, you know, to, to, you know, if my dog wakes me up at two in the morning and she's peed on the carpet, like I understand that it's a choice of Mm -hmm. how that affects me, of how that affects the way I treat my friends or my girlfriend or or the way I treat the dog. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, like I still have a choice. Um, and I'm no longer like, I no longer feel like life is just something that's happening to me. You know, I've kind of slowly, become this person, I think, that understands that life is, is, I am something that's happening to my life, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and my relationship with God is something that's happening to my life. And it's something to be really valued and cherished and explored. And it's something that hopefully, um, if I give it the room, it will, it will really thrive. It'll, it'll continue to thrive and not just kind of sit there, mm-hmm. right? Um, not to turn this into a shameless plug, but like, that's the purpose of this conversation, that's the purpose of these conversations that we want to have with you, our listeners. That's the purpose of, of, um, I mean, that's why we get together every Thursday and talk about something that's a little tough mm-hmm. or a little bit, a little bit mysterious or a little bit, um, you know, frustrating, right? Sure. I, I, there's part of me that really hopes that every time you turn on our podcast on a Wednesday morning, um, you're frustrated by what we have to talk about that you, you are, that, that it is kind of um, pushing back against you. against mm-hmm. some of these things that we allow to kind of creep into our head mm-hmm. and to take root there, um, because the reality is like I I was I was I was believing the weeds like I was mm. believing the the you know the stuff that was kind of choking out like 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 scripture says you know like the the, the chaff that's choking out the grain yeah right I was believing those lies and not only believing, but I was trying to live from those lies. Mm. That is a hopeless place. That is a hopeless place. And if you, you know, our last episode, we talked about hope. If you, if you want to know, okay, you know, how do I have hope? The reality is you have to rip off the bandaid. The reality is you have to let God have the conversation with you that he wants to have. And only you and God know where that pain is, mm-hmm. right? And, and for, for me, I mean, I had to do a lot of unpacking and digging and, and really working on myself. And I still do. I, I mm-hmm. still go to therapy. I go to spiritual direction. I, I, had, I still have to do all that stuff to, to continue to give God the room to have that mm-hmm. conversation with me in my life, right? Um, I, I had to learn how to trust friends. I had to learn how to... Um, how to... How to, to to really have a relationship with someone else, even just, even just a friend. Mm-hmm. I had, I had totally forgotten. I was, every friend that I had was in the context of this facade that I was, mm. that I was putting up this, this lie that I was putting out there. I, I had to trust that those friends, um, that even though like this facade was there, they could kind of see through that. Those mm-hmm. friends that really cared about me, I had to trust that they were being genuine when they said, 
man, I just want you to be happy. Man, yeah. I just want you to be healthy. Man, I just want you to, to have a relation, a better relationship with God. Man, I just want you to have whatever the world offers you, right? Mm-hmm. I had to really um, dig to be able to believe them, mm-hmm. right? And I guess, you know, the, the whole point of us, you know, coming on here and kind of talking about this today and, and, and being a little more vulnerable, uh, at least for me, was to encourage you to dig. Yeah. Because we all have, um, we all have stuff. We all have stuff that we bury. We all have stuff we don't want to talk about. We all have stuff that separates us from God. We all have stuff that makes us, um, prodigal. Mm -hmm. It makes us, um, you know, it, 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 we, we, we want to, we want to hide that stuff, not only from ourselves, not only from relationships with friends and family, but especially we want to hide it from God. And the reality is, you know, God is that father, uh, in the prodigal son who's, he's, he sees us from a long way off and he's running towards us. Mm-hmm. He is running towards us. It's not, um, it's not a thing that we have to do alone. It's not entirely up to us, right. To, to reconcile ourselves to God. In fact, our part, um, is pretty small, uh, but we, we build it up in our heads to think that it's a lot bigger. Mm-hmm. And so it's really kind of our, um, place or our responsibility to say, God, I, I recognize, um, that you're pursuing me. I recognize that you love me. I recognize that, that, um, maybe, maybe the, maybe the line is, God, I recognize that you love me anyway. Mm-hmm. And I, and I love you too. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, that idea of, being loved anyway was a, a pretty powerful thing in my life when I finally got there. Yeah. Um, you don't have to wait. You don't have to wait until you're, if you're, you know, 20 now, you don't have to, to wait 10 or 15 years to begin to have those conversations with God. Mm-hmm. And in fact, um, you can, in, in whatever you're doing right now, whatever age you're at right now, wherever you are in your life right now, um, God is calling you. This is not, you know, this is not like a televangelist telling you to dial in for a prayer. Like God is really calling you right now to abandon all this stuff that you've put in between you and him, Mm -hmm. whether it's distance or, or, you know, material possessions or relationships or whatever, um, to abandon that and to just turn around and you'll see God running towards you. Like, like that is what is over your shoulder is God running towards you. Um, so I, I just felt a need to, to share that today. I'm sorry that, um, I talked for so long. I feel like I took up all the time. Um, but that's my story. I want to honor your vulnerability. Thank you. Thank you for, for sharing that. I know that that doesn't, um, necessarily come, come easily and it's with purpose. And I appreciate that you are, um, answering the call. You know, I, I know that, um, you take seriously what God is saying to you and your call to do this and to share this today specifically is, is because, um, he's wanting somebody to hear it. Mm -hmm. So thank you for, for sharing that. Thank you very much. Hmm. Do you know what I was thinking of when you're talking about like the, the shame, you, you know, I think in like parables or song or whatever, mm-hmm. but like the shame feels like this just fuzzy exterior that clutters up everything. And, um, 
Yeah, a lens through which you see, but also like this barrier to every other Mm -hmm. emotion and possibility Mm -hmm. for a relationship. So um, it just doesn't, it just doesn't serve any good purpose. Mm -hmm. We think it does. It's like the fig leaves, right? Mm -hmm. In the garden. But all it does is is keep us away from God. Exactly. It's a it's I a mean, I, it's a it's a barrier. Yeah. yeah. And you and I can both say that, but it's still it's still um I think within our human nature to continue to find ourselves going into that lane of mm-hmm. Yeah. For for me it it um there's a couple of analogies that I heard about shame. One was was glitter. Ooh. The shame is kinda like glitter in that it it, it feels like it, it should be very safe and very fun. Uh, and, and I, and I mean that fun, like, fun. It, like it, like it feels like it should be, um, people, people get a lot of, uh, sort of self-imposed consolation from shame. Oh, so, so shame, you know, when I would feel ashamed, I felt justified in that shame. I felt right in that shame. Like and so you should be there. I should be there. And so there was this, almost this feeling of like this kind of warped satisfaction, mm. right? Um, Interesting. But the more that I kind of let myself go there, and, and again, it's like glitter, um, the more that shame kind of in, interrupted or, or sort of permeated these different areas of my life and, and different areas of my, you know, my, my thoughts and my thought process, um, it, would, it would stay there. And so once I started feeling ashamed about something in a certain area of my life, it would kind of explode in that area. Right. And, and pretty soon everything about playing guitar felt shameful. Everything about, you know, um, being an artist being a dog dad, right? Like, like thing, like it would just sort of snowball. Right. The other analogy is, um, the clear Ziploc bag. Okay. Okay. So, um, Ziploc bags are great. We, we, we love them. Right. But, ju- but imagine if you had to live your life, uh, from a giant Ziploc bag, mm. right. Imagine if everything that you had to touch, right. Imagine if you couldn't, if you couldn't There's touch anything to without all. having a Ziploc bag on, right. Shame was this barrier that it, it muted like the vibrancy of life. Mm. It, it, it muted the, you know, the sort of the, the tangible things that we, that we love about life. And, and so, um, I got very comfortable with that sort of muted Mm -hmm. feeling and I would kind of retreat into shame because it felt, it felt very comfortable. And once that was, now this is pretty cool. Once, once I realized I didn't have to do that Mm -hmm. and I started to develop, um, in therapy, like some ways to, to live my life kind of unashamed, I started working on that stuff. I would look around and be like, this is what, like, like my, my girlfriend, Christine, who, who she, we got together about six months after therapy ended for me. So mm-hmm. it was, it was very quick and people were actually a little bit concerned. Like my mm-hmm. therapists were a little bit concerned. Um, but I can remember about maybe about six months into our relationship thinking, this is what loving someone without shame feels like oh, and wow. letting that person love you without shame feels like. Mm-hmm that it's amazing. Completely different. It was, it yeah. was just, it was just a, it was just a completely different thing. And, um, and even, you know, like, yeah, I can, I can go have a cheeseburger if I want and I don't have to feel bad about myself. Right. Like, yeah, you know, and, and, and just, you know, simple kind of pleasures in life, um, you know, blessings in life felt, felt remarkably different. felt a lot, a lot different. That's amazing. It was cool. It was cool. I'm so, wow. I'm glad that you were able to have that transformation. 
And that actually seems kind of quick almost. I mean, I know for you in the moment it was not. And even looking back, maybe not. I don't know. Um, but, that's, I, but that's like a, a complete shift in your... I would, I, would, I would say I would get it right about, about 50% of the time. So afterwards, and and even and even still today, I I I hope I have a little higher batting average. But um, I mean, it's something that I think was hardwired in me for Mm -hmm. such a long time Mm -hmm. to to kind of feel those things and to kind of live life from that perspective. Now, what's what's really powerful and really beautiful in my life is that I have kind of a set of tools in my thinking um, and in my behaviors where I can kind of step back and recognize, hey, Mm. this is. This is what's going on, and maybe I need to talk to someone about it, you or, or maybe it. I need to, you know, have a conversation with whoever this involves, or whatever. Um, I need to be a little more assertive, and I need to be a little more organized. I need to be whatever, okay. right? Um, good days and bad days, yeah. you know. And and when there's a bad day, you, you know, you get over it, you move through it. Yeah. When there's a good day, you say, "Hey, that was a good day," and and you you got to move through that too. Yeah. You know. Um, so yeah, it's it's still it's still I I am still very very much uh, a, wor- a work in progress. I think we all are. We all are for we, sure. We really all sure. are. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for listening and for being awesome. I and for smiling at me the whole time. Thank you. That was nice. Was I smiling the whole time? Just I feel about, like my, yeah. my brows were a little frowned at some point. Like, oh. You were you were you were definitely looking at me with like like mom eyes. Like you, you It's you know, hard not to have the mom eyes. It is, but you were but you were you were smiling. Thank okay. you. I appreciate it. Um, and thank you for listening. You're if welcome. You're, um, if you're out there and you know if you're out there and you need someone to talk to, you need someone to um, uh, to just kind of process things with um, we'll give you some resources on our Instagram. Um, mm-hmm. That'll be cool. And uh, what else do we have? We just have Instagram, right? We have Facebook. We have Facebook. We'll do that yeah. on Facebook too. And we have email if you needed to reach out. We can send out resources that way Absolutely. as well. Absolutely. Um, very cool. Yeah, I know a little thingamajingy, but um, when I had an... Uh, an issue recently that felt huge to me, you know, and I think the Carlton in my life is like, it sounds like you got a lot of blessings. Mm-hmm. Um, but part of my lament was this is so awful. And if people really knew th- this horrible thing about me, they wouldn't be friends with me. And, and, um, my good priest friend said, don't you think that they love you because of the awful things? Like, because you can share or show and, and cause I kind of, uh, don't have many filters and is sometimes transparent. Wow, don't laugh. I'm <laughs> transparent enough to where um, I can be awkward because there's no filters. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought that that was a potentially a bad thing, and people would go ew at you at me. Mm-hmm. And then um, Father Carlos says, "What do you think about maybe?" people are um endeared to you and grateful for you living authentically Mm -hmm. so that we can see that you can stumble but you can also get back up for sure and and it's not um like it's it's not just about the fact that you can stumble it's the fact that you are going to stumble always always we get and i get really caught up in not letting anyone see me stumble. Hmm. My stumbles, uh, 
aren't any greater or any less than anybody else's. It's, and you know what the thing is, is that that whole shame thing, it's isolating. So it's kind of mm-hmm. like you need to um, shed that layer because yeah. uh, when we share our stumbles, it's amazing to see that so many other people share the same stumbles. Exactly. Exactly. So um, we've talked about this on the podcast before going back to, I mean, who is our ultimate example is Jesus, yeah. right? He accepted the help from Simon of Cyrene. Mm-hmm. This was Jesus's cross to bear. Um, and it was something that had been like ordained since the beginning of time that mm-hmm. Jesus would have to come and rescue us and he would be crucified on a cross. And, you know, like, I mean, it's in, it's all over the old Testament, right? That like how he would be crucified right. and what it would be like and all that kind of stuff. And yet Jesus looks at Simon of Cyrene and says, man, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for the help. Right. If you, if you have, if you, we all have crosses to bear. Your cross mm-hmm. is not, um, it is not something you have to bear alone. Christ wants to bear it with you first and foremost, and, yeah. and he will, and he'll take the majority of the, of the load, the weight, right? Yeah. He'll, he'll, he'll take all of it if you mm-hmm. give it to him, but getting there, um, you need people in your life that are, that are gonna, that are gonna, you know, take that load off. Um, and, and you're going to be able to take to take their load too. Like you're going to be able to take their stuff on, on your shoulders too. Um, that's a pretty incredible thing. It's Mm -hmm. a pretty incredible resource that I think, uh, because we all want this, you know, we all, we all buy into this idea that we have to be perfect, uh, from a worldly standard. We, we don't take advantage of it. We don't take advantage of my good friend, Nikki here that is willing to sit in a room with pandas and crosses Mm -hmm. and listen to me and listen to all my (laughs) stuff for an hour and a half, you know? It's all good. It is. It's awesome. What'd you say about taking advantage of stuff? What? We don't take advantage of. We don't. We don't take advantage of those relationships that God is oh, giving yeah. us. Like, like Jesus took advantage of Simon of Simon. Yeah. He was like, "Yeah, let's do this, man. I need some help." You know. Yeah. And and. I think because yeah, for sure. I, I know that um, people don't know. There seems to be like a, a proud thing. I guess that's when pride comes into the picture. Where we're just like, I don't want to ask for help or mm-hmm. I want to accept help. I don't know if there's the opposite end of the spectrum with that, but I feel like that's where I am, where nice. if people offer help, I'm like, Hey, that's awesome. <laughs> more hands, the merrier. No, that's, that's, <laughs> I, 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 I think that's an, a really, really beautiful gift to, mm. to be able to, to accept help and, and to maybe even to be able to see, just to see the value in help. Like, like that's, a, that's a thing that a lot of us struggle with. Yeah. I, you know, a lot of times it's not that I don't want less to do or that I don't want less help. A lot of times it's that I I look at it and I go, well, that person's not going to be able to do X, Y, or Z the way that I'm, the the way that I want to do it Mm -hmm. or the way that I think it should be done. Mm -hmm. So they can't help me. And I, and I, I cut them off right there. Right. Um, Wow. Bishop, uh, Bishop Barron actually says that, uh, in this video I just watched, he kind of talks about how, um, at the root of our sin, uh, is not necessarily pride, but fear. That fear, fear comes before pride. Interesting. And and this, you know, that idea of like Adam Adam and Eve's fear was that they that they needed to be in control. Mm-hmm. That they that they you know that they yeah. they, they they didn't want God sort of ruling their lives, and they and they were they were worried about that, yeah. right? That is pride in the sense that you eventually have to get to the idea that, okay, well, I know better than God, but that, but what gets you to that thinking is 
fear that God is not going to take care of you. Oh, yeah. Right. Fear that you're going to be lost. Fear that you're going to be let down, whatever yeah. it might be. I don't want to be duped. You know, I mean, yeah. I can look back on my, and he actually says in this, in this, uh, in this video, he says, look back on, you know, examine your life. Look, look back on times when you've really struggled with things or when you've been, you know, sinful, especially, and look at it from the lens of fear. And you'll probably mm. realize that. A lot That's of what not. you go through in life comes from a place of fear. Sure. I believe it. You know, um, it's, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. I read this reflection today that has me, a line in it has me thinking about our conversation today. Okay. And that is that in talking to Jesus, right? Chaos seems to be our shared tea. Wow. Ain't that the truth? That is the truth. But I mean, I think you have to make it, right? Invite him in. Invite mm-hmm. him into the tea party. Mm-hmm. Or as the kids these days say, spill the tea, sis. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> and, and you've got you've to gotta be okay with it being messy. You know, it's just, uh, I think if you resign yourself to it's going to be messy, it's just so much more enjoyable and relaxed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's okay. It's yep. okay to spill the milk. It's okay. Yep. It's all right. It's like when, when my little fat dog, Echo, like goes uh-huh. and runs around and gets, you know, muddy or like she, she loves it. She loves being a dog. She loves like put her in little sweaters and stuff and try to make her all, you know, make her into a little, a little princess, but she's like a, you know, 50 pound runty, like pit bull mix. Like she loves to run around and dig and chase squirrels and, and she like to like roll into the carcass of a frog and oh, stuff. Totally. Yeah. 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 And, and it's funny, like, like she just likes being who she is. <laughs> Like that's, that's it. There's no facade there. And so like even the messiness, even the parts where I'm like, you smell awful, uh-huh. right? Like she's still happy to be there. She's still happy to, she's to like, just yep, be I a do. dog. Yep, I do. Exactly. I smell great. Right. You know, I finally, I, I don't smell like mint anymore from that bath uh, you gave me. Right. So you're so, trying to change her. Yeah. So, so don't, um, don't worry about the messiness. Be like, be like echo and mm. don't, and don't worry about things being a mess. Agreed. Agreed. Let's pray. Let's pray. All right. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Our, Our Father, Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Ragamuffins, we love you. <sighs> Till next time. Until next time. Yeah. Peace. Late to Church podcast is an AMET creative production and is hosted by James Longoria and Nikki Moncada. Our theme music is Candle in the Shadows by the Poor Kings. Check them out on Spotify or wherever you download music. 
Incidental music is by Punch Deck. Find us on Instagram at Late to Church Podcast and let us know your questions, comments, and thoughts by contacting Late to Church Podcast at gmail.com. Your insights might even be featured on the show. Just a little reminder you are good, you are worthy, you are the beloved. Look around for the Lord today. He loves you and he wants an encounter with you. Thank you for journeying with us. We're praying for you. Peace.